Hi, I'm Batsheva Frankel from Overthrowing Education, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, happy, who knows, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Not really sure when you're going to be listening to this, but it is time for Podcast TV. My name is Chris Nessie, at Mr. Nessie on Twitter, host of the House of EdTech podcast, and I am joined, as always, by my podcast compadres, Stacey Lindis and AJ Bianco. AJ, you got here on time. How you doing, AJ? Wow, I was on time. I'm always on time. I was on time. Well, you were on time, but you were, you were like, so I was on time on time. I was 15 minutes early, which is actually on time. I was filling out forms. 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 Back to school forms. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, we're here and we're happy to be here and uh, doing well on this as we record Sunday for the live people. Yeah, we're live on uh, YouTube, Periscope, in our Podcast PD Facebook group. Of course, if you want to join in on the party, you're going to want to go to podcastpd.com slash live, participate in the YouTube chat. Uh, Really, I mean, anywhere you're watching, you can participate in the chat. So as we're talking through the episode tonight, let us know what's up, how you doing, contribute to the conversation. And if you want to be a part of the show, go to podcastpd.com, join, and we'll be happy to punch you. Means put you on screen, not punch. As they just AJ, things are good. Yeah. <laughs> We're friendly. AJ, you good? I'm, I'm I'm living the dream, man. Things are things are good here as we head to the end of August. I don't I don't know if I can say that again. So ugh, end of August. What the hell did you just say? It's the end of August, man. Like I can't believe it's the end of August. Uh yeah. Yeah. March break is almost over. That's a good one. How <laughs> long have we worked on that one? I found it on the internet. All right. Everything, everything's on the internet. Speaking of things I found on the internet, Stacy, how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, speaking of things I found on the internet, I finally got access to my kids' uh, forms, so I was filling those out because they're due tomorrow. They were due on Friday, but, you know, when you turn power school off, you can't really fill out forms on the due date, and I am last minute Larry when it comes to filling out those kinds of forms, but I can't pick up my school-issued Chromebook for the boys on Tuesday, unless I fill out those magical forms. This is forms for your own biological. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get their Chromebooks, which both of them are like, what do we need that for? I was like, look, it's, it's a good backup. We don't know how long we're going to be home for. So uh, yeah, I did that. And then I uh, had a good run today. It was a beautiful day here in New Jersey um, before it rained. I didn't realize it was raining until I got in my car. Like that it was supposed to be raining. And I drove and I was like, I'm driving towards rain. I was running towards rain, but I didn't notice. So, yeah, I was good. What, what, what makes a run good? Weather. Like ice cream at the end of it? I, there used to be ice cream <laughs> at the end of it. But when uh, when I couldn't outrun the weight gain, it ended. So, uh, yeah, no. Um, today's weather is beautiful. It was like 80 degrees, at the like 85 at the highest. But that's not when I went running. And then there was a nice breeze. I went on the trail. So there were shady spots. Um, it was four and a half miles. It was, it was the longest four and a half miles I've ever run, but, uh, yeah, I'm almost done training. Um, and then I run my 10 K on August 31st. So the last day of the month, I will run my 10 K, my wonder woman, 10 K. 
That's the virtual one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I already got my swag though. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I I saw that race advertised at nauseam on Instagram. Did you? you Probably probably because I took a picture and like hashtagged it or something. Probably. (laughs) Chris, you do the Yankee one? Uh, no, because I do come CrossFit. On. No. If, if you do the Yankee one, I'll do it with you. All right, we'll talk off air. Yes. I don't want to run, though. Can I just do the lawn and like, do laps back and forth? <laughs> well, why don't we do the 10K as, as a 10K home run trot? We'll just trot. There we go. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll, 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 the Aaron Judge. We'll do the Aaron Judge. I like it. There you go. <laughs> Chris, how are um, you? Things are, you know, good. Uh, I didn't attempt to go for a run in the rain uh, as we got near the scooter ride. Uh, two scooters. Scooter. Uh, and then it started rain, so Colton and I took the bat cycle. Um, and if you if you think he's joking when he calls it the bat cycle, you should check out his Instagram page. It is actually the bat cycle, the That's Jersey awesome. Shore bats. <laughs> um, the other thing, uh, tech wise, I was playing with SketchUp today, as I do. Maybe I'm designing ground level deck for the backyard, designing a deck. Cool, sweet, something different, something yeah. different. What are you what are uh, you making out of wood? Yeah, it'll it'll be uh, I don't know pressure treated be... lumber to make the frame and then real wood, yeah, fake wood, some composite wood. treks to there do you the go. Deck okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yes, got it. <clears throat> um, speaking of authentic and real and posit, uh, welcome to this episode of podcast. P- uh, to today's topic, the episode we are it's our back to school special. I'm excited. Yes, and so are all of us because <laughs> it's time to go. Back to school, back to school. I don't know about you, but I have two weeks. Well, wow. some people we know are already in school. I know, and we have a guest who is in we school. We do have a guest. So tonight we are talking all about uh, back to school, uh, your best tips, tricks, hacks, strategy, how you can start the school year off on the right foot. Or if you're a lefty. I so left joining us right off the bat, uh, we have a brand new friend of the podcast. We'd like to welcome in... Shay, Shay, good evening, good afternoon, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, long time listener, first time caller. There you yeah. go. That, that's hey, how tell I us like a little bit about it. yourself. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm in California, uh, Northern California. Um, uh, you know, just like in New Jersey, there's there's a big distinction between Northern California and Southern California, or different regions. Um, so I'm a teacher. Uh, I've been teaching for, let's see, this is my 15th year of teaching. I got in a little late. Um, after undergraduate school, I worked at a dot com, like a lot of people in California, um, and uh, ended up getting a little burned out, decided to go into teaching. Although I'm reminded of what my high school soccer coach would say, you know, would say, oh, coach, we're burned out. And he'd say, you were never on fire. anyways uh yeah so happy to be here yeah finishing up our we just finished our first week of school here in california good good and so just a little um side note shay and i know each other from facebook we become facebook friends um through a little group called field nuts Mm -hmm. uh, which which is a facebook group about notebooks um Yeah, my little notebook that i it's a judgment-free zone we we absolutely look they're all on hand See? Yep. Right here. Hold on. Wait. I can put up a field notes too. (laughs) AJ, where are your field notes? I use a rocket book. (laughs) So I I got, I got this. That's all. That's that's what I got. You're like, you're confined to your little, um, your pilot frictions. I love those. I use them for everything. Oh, they're not good pens. Wow. 
Ouch. She would know. She's in a group about pens, too, I'm sure. There, she is here. I have I'm another not, notebook. Not, but I do listen to a podcast about pens. So. I'm, I'm sensing sensing another podcast episode about pens and pencils. and Not on this show. <laughs> okay. They should be talking to herself. Everybody else be sleeping. No, no offense. I'm just saying. For, for no, me, it's, it's just another it, thing. It's That's not the equivalent of when I AJ and I talk before. sports. That, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Fair enough. All right. So how was your first week, Shay? So it was interesting. Um, you know, uh, just a little, a little before you joined us on the call, um, cause I was really, um, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about, um, the California, the way that some of it's, it's by County. So, uh, I'll back up a little bit. Some of the counties, because their COVID numbers are too high, they were told the only option was for, uh, distance learning or online learning. The county that I teach in, um, we were well below the threshold. So we had a few options. We made distance learning available to our district, uh, to the students. Out of 3,000, roughly 3,800 students, uh, about 800 opted for online only. The remaining 3,000 said they would go with a hybrid model. So we have, <laughs> we have an AM group and a PM group. Um, but then we also have rotating blocks. So in other words, uh, teaching middle school, I have, uh, tomorrow I'll have periods four, five, and six, but I have periods four, five, six in the morning, then four, five, six in the afternoon. Then tomorrow I'll have periods one, two, three in the morning, one, two, three in the afternoon. So it's like cohort? That's what they're calling Yeah. Cohort, rotating blocks. Pods. Yeah, I yeah, I, I lose track of all the acronyms, to be honest. I, you know, if it wasn't for my Google Calendar, I'd be lost. Shay, since you're ahead of the game and you have already gone back to obviously going into the school year over your summer break, you must have done some type of preparation and put things in place and tried to get things in motion to hit the ground running, so to speak. What in the first week has gone well? And number two, after one week, what didn't you think of where you're like, if I could go back in time a week, here's what I would do differently. Oh gosh. Uh, where do I start? Um, <laughs> I think, um, I, I think like a lot of teachers, you know, this, this summer has been, I, I think a lot of teachers, all of us, we've, we've worked so hard over the summer, probably harder than we ever have. Um, even though we technically were, you know, off, off duty or off contract. Um, that's what the rest of the world thinks about us. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. It's a vacation. Right. Um, but I think um, to answer your question, Chris, I, um, you know, I would say what's worked well is, is really just trying to connect with the kids emotionally. I mean, they're going through the same thing that we are. They're frazzled. They're, they're dying to get back and have some social interaction. Um, so I think, you know, kind of putting aside the curriculum this first week and just really trying to connect with them has been the biggest, the biggest piece for, for not just me, but the other teachers that I work with and um, all the, all the staff really is just trying to make that connection and just tell them, Hey, you know what? We're all in this together, you know, pack a good lunch, tie your shoes, wear your mask, (laughs) wash your hands, (laughs) come on back. Um, So I, I think that's, what's worked well. And, and the kids have been really respectful about it. Um, I think the, the thing that has not worked well is 
too many different platforms. Um, we got, we've got some teachers using Google, some teachers using, you know, another LMS or another platform. And it just, I, I think it's a little too confusing. I, I think that's where we need to really simplify. So when you say p- too many platforms, are you saying that, like, are you teamed for middle school or are you, um, Remind me what you teach, because I know when we met, we, we bonded not only over notebooks, but also over our position as tech coaches. So you were mm-hmm. a tech coach and now you're back in the classroom. What content are you responsible for? So I'm I'm mostly teaching electives. I'm teaching um, there's a it's like a rotation wheel, kind of an elective wheel where yeah, I teach digital. Like- yeah, digital media, um, which is basically just introducing them to some different creative things like. Um, you know, we use we video, um, I get them going on we video a little bit, um, just showing some basic design elements, um, you know, trying to get them to <laughs> you know, understand how to leverage some of the Google tools that they have available, um, like Google drawings and how to, how to better use Google slides. Um, so that's an introductory course. I'm teaching four periods of that. And then I have a, um, year-long computer science, introductory to computer science, which is mostly eighth graders. I have a couple seventh graders in there. Um, and then a year-long uh, like video production, video lab, where we actually get into the, the meat of it, you know, um, not just an introductory thing. All right. So what platform are you using? <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's, that's the funny part, right? So this summer... One of the one of the comments we heard from students and teachers was we were using too many platforms. So they tried to consolidate and the, the district did. And they tried to say, well, hey, look, we'll use this thing called fuel education. You know, fuel education or K-12 online. Um, I, I think it works well for just distance only, but when you try to integrate it into a hybrid model or um, you know, any any kind of in-class instruction. It's it's not working. Um, in fact, our superintendent just sent an email just about an hour ago that said, uh, "Fuel education will be used for distance only. The rest of you are using Google because we're a Google school or Google district." So, yeah. So mostly mostly Google, um, which is what I've been asking for all along. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know. Again, I mean, I think what's what's gone well. Uh, the kids are being great. They get it. Um, they're super happy to be back in class, but at the same time, what's not going great is too many, too many things. Um, seesaw, you know, uh, gosh, what are some of the others? Uh, you know, I can't even, I can't even buncy or bunchy or whatever it is. So you had all these, all these teachers using different things. See, yeah. you know, that, you know, that's going to be a situation because I, th- I think, Teachers are trying to defend themselves a little bit right now, and they're trying to do as much as possible to show we can make distance learning work. We can make technology work in the classroom. And, you know, I'm speaking for New Jersey. I can't can't speak for what's going on in Cali, but we know we've been working hard for the last two months figuring out a plan to get students back into the classroom and get teachers back safely into the classrooms. We have not been thinking about a plan to get PD into the teacher's hands. So we've all of us as a state have totally dropped the ball because we have been so focused of multiple hours of just, is this plan the right plan? Is it going to work? So when you say like there's too many tools being used, 
of course, there's too many tools being used because we're trying to make sure that we're doing the right thing for students to keep them engaged, to keep them growing and learning and exploring uh, the different tools that there are, that there are to offer. Um, you know, I, I think if you can speak to that for a second, Shay, and just talk about like what do you think is the right balance if we're going to talk about tools to use with our students? What's the right balance for teachers? Wow, um, you know, it, and and I agree totally, AJ. Um, I you know I think you know just taking a step back for a minute because I I don't know about New Jersey, but when when we in California were told uh, Friday the thirteenth, Friday March thirteenth was the day that they said, take everything you need out of your classroom and good luck. And so didn't get that kind of a warning. It was like, we're going to shut down for two weeks. We'll see y'all in two weeks. Right. We'll figure it out after that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, to be fair, that's kind of what we were told was, Hey, if you have any class pets or anything that you think you might need, you might want to grab it now. Um, <laughs> So that was kind of code for you're probably not coming back for a while. Um, so, you know, I think, I think when we all rushed into this distance learning piece, um, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of confusion and, and resentment and uh, frustration, but um, you know, coming into this kind of like you were saying, AJ, um, you know, we've, we've thought long and hard about all these tools. And, and I guess what I keep going back to is, you know, can we just, can we just take a step back for a minute and and reconnect with these kids? Um, you know, they're just as frustrated as we are. They're, they're frazzled. They're tired of being at home with their parents and siblings. You know, they just want to get out. Um, I, my, my youngest is a uh, high school senior this year. And, you know, I, I know that's one thing he keeps saying is, you know, it just, wow. You know, I just miss hanging out with my friends. I just, want to go back and hang out. Um, but then as far as the tools go, you know, I, I've noticed he goes, he attends a dis- different district, but one of the things that he has said is, you know, why all of a sudden are we using Microsoft teams? Like we've never used that before. So why do we have to relearn this now? It's just, it's just another layer of frustration, you know, when, if we could just simplify it and go back to what we know, whether it's Google or, or whatever teachers were using previously, uh, you know, just make it simple. Um, Shay, you got to be careful. We're talking about education. I know. I know. I, I, I got lofty goals. <laughs> so is your son going back to school virtually or is he, um, is he in person? He's virtual. So, um, I, I, you know, the county I teach in is just, Gosh, I, you know, it's not even uh, the county line is, is, you know, I could, I could probably hit a, a nice three wood and reach it. Um, I mean, it's, it's just right up the road. My commute is only about 15 minutes, um, nice. but we live right on that border, which, you know, which is another thing where, where we reside, we're in a county that was told distance learning only where I teach different deal, mm-hmm. um, even though there's a lot of commuters back and forth. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm no scientist, but anyways, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, at least you're by county. we don't even have that. Like I, my sons and sure. where we live, um, my kids went to two different school districts within the, you know, we've never moved, but we have a K six elementary and a middle high school. Um, 
district for that's regional. So four districts send there. And just on Friday, one of the one of the elementary districts decided to be all virtual. Like so in, in New Jersey, the plans are still changing. Whereas like my son's middle school and high school, again, where two towns now are virtual and two towns are hybrid. Actually, one of them is not even hybrid. They're so small. They're like, nope, we're full day, five days a week. All the kids are coming. I'm like, Meanwhile, they have siblings that are now, you know, and it, like, it's just like, it's like a crapshoot. And that's, that's within the same regional area where we all send our kids to the same middle school and high school. And so I hear you saying, I'm no scientist, but I just see lots of issues. Well, and it's, it, you know, in the county that I teach in, which is El Dorado County, um, extends all the way up to uh, South Lake Tahoe, which I don't know if you're familiar with Lake Tahoe, but it's a huge tourist attraction. Um, you know, I was just reading in the news that their COVID numbers are skyrocketing yes. because of tourism, but you know, who knows? So we'll, we'll see. I, you know, I think your we son, just, your son's starting his, his senior year virtually. Correct. Which comes with its own hurdles where I feel like there has right. to be a lot of compa- compassion for those kids who, you know, are starting their miles doing your, in a way that, it's probably outside of their expectations, all of that anticipation that you build up for homecoming and, you know, um, all those seniors who didn't get to live through prom and end of the year trips and graduation the right way, uh, or not the right way, but, you know, a, their traditional sense of like sure. what those, those things are going to be. I think you're right. I think that the, that we need to enter the year being compassionate and building those relationships, um, is your situation, I know you said you're in-person and you're in school, are you t- also teaching virtual students? Or if you're an in-person teacher, you're solely responsible for in-person kids? So, you know, the interesting thing is um, if if you are one of the teachers that is teaching in the hybrid model, which is, you know, in-person instruction, um, our PD days, uh, in order to get attendance or, or get ADA in California, they've required that students be on a video call for 20 minutes at least per, I think, you know, gosh, not, I, I, I'd have to go back and look at the regulations on this, but um, when we have our district PD days, the students have to be on a call for 20 minutes and then we have to assign approximately 40 minutes worth of work for them to do individually. Um, how, how do you judge that? <laughs> Who judges that? Right. That's a great question. I, I honestly don't know. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and some of the issues that have come up with this, um, you know, video learning is, um, you know, I, I've, I've heard, I've heard stories, or I don't want to say horror stories, but, um, stories from fellow teachers in other districts in other counties in parts of California, where, uh, for example, a, uh, a student came onto the call, had a hoodie on teacher said, remove your hoodie. Uh, student said, Hey, listen, you know, my mom's got the air conditioning full blast. I'm cold. Teacher said, if you don't remove your hoodie, I'm going to dress code you. It's like, wait, <laughs> wait, time, time out. Time out. Are you kidding? Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I've heard that about like schools not allowing pajamas. If that were right. like, like so they don't allow pets because there's no pets in school either. Right. Yeah, uh, you know my or, only thing or, is, yeah. I, I just said this in my in my episode, uh, in episode one sixty two for House of Ed Tech. 
really the only, if you want to infringe on their home life, just still advise them to not do the following. Don't put gum under whatever work surface you're working at (laughs) your kitchen table or a desk in your bedroom. Don't put gum under the work surface because that's just gross. No matter where you're learning. And don't draw on the desks and, you know, you know, what? if it's your desk, I don't give a crap, draw on it, whatever. Well, then yeah, they can come on it, Chris. Right. Or, you know, or here's another one that I, I heard about recently from a fellow teacher in, in another county. Um, one of her colleagues, uh, high school, this is high school, uh, student had AirPods in, was listening to the discussion. Student got up and left the video chat for a moment to get a drink of water or whatever it was, came back in less than a minute. And the teacher said, if you do that again, I will either mark you absent or tardy. And the kid said, well, I'm still listening. I'm participating. I've, you know, what, what do you want me to do? I was thirsty. Come on. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I, I know it, it's, it's brought up a lot of new, uh, questions you know how do you handle that i don't know so then can i ask you guys a quick question i'm this is for everybody right so like you've seen all of those um protocols or expectations for how people are going to conduct themselves in that virtual world where you know we're all in little boxes um and one of them is that your camera has to be on and you know there are some dress code issues or whatever what is your take on that Cause I have some really strong opinions about it, but they're my strong opinions. So I want to hear what you're like, what you guys are thinking about, like even cameras on cameras off. I'll jump in on the, uh, the, the camera thing. Um, I think that cameras are necessary. I think students who engage in the virtual part of this, whether it's hybrid or if you're completely remote, I think your students should be asked to have their cameras. Tell me I why. don't think we should go so far as to make it a requirement I because and again, this is my opinion. The best way to communicate with somebody is face to face. Okay. And if we're not in our classroom, the camera and video chat, video conferencing is the next best thing. Now, if a, if a student doesn't want to turn their camera on, then don't be an idiot. And like, like Shay, don't write them up. Don't discipline them using school policy for not turning their camera on. That's asinine. Okay. You know, the, if a student normally would come to my classroom I have this open communication where I know that from time to time, kids are having an off day. They don't feel well, whatever. You know, I, I work with teenagers. They're crazy. So if you come to me and you say, hey, you know, Mr. Nessie, I, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really feeling today. Okay. I'm not going to bother you then. I'm not going to get on your case for not participating or raising your hand. You know, I'm going to leave you be. I can translate that into the virtual environment where, it, you know, just let me know why you don't want your camera on. And I'm cool with that. I'll, I'll be fine. We'll find other ways for you to be engaged and participate. So... But, but for me, you know, I'm going to have my camera on. I'd love to, I'd love to have my kids have their camera on so I can get the next best thing to not being in the same classroom with them or seeing them in the hallway or interacting with them, being able to see them, see their facial expressions, know when my jokes land or most often don't land. I can see that they're not laughing. So having the camera on is valuable. Yeah, You need that. Just don't be a fool and come up with ridiculous policies and mandates and you must do you know that that's just that's just stupid so all right so let me let me ask you a follow-up right do you see that after because i mean the expectation here is that we're all going back to school in october because covid will be over by then (laughs) magical numbers and stuff but um do you see yourself becoming more lenient or lax in that expectation or that 
that thinking. Like, um, do you see what I'm saying? Like, like if if after October, after that foundational introductory, like coming together as a community where we do all want to see each other, do you see yourself saying like, or, like becoming less less strict about that rule? Not that it's a hard and fast rule, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, honestly, no. I'm, I'm for again, and in my school, we're going to be virtual through half the first half of the year. So through January. Oh, you guys are so, through January? First and second market periods. Oh, I knew new brands wow. are changed, but I didn't. Yeah. Wow. So I, I'm going to have the same approach and desire to have them use their cameras. As long as we're virtual, I'm going to encourage them in, in my way to use the camera. And again, if, if that comes and goes based on the kid, whether or not they want to turn it on or engage to that level, that that's fine. You know, there are going to be other more valuable ways that I can measure engagement. And are they participating in, you know, whether it's exit tickets and some other things that, you know, we're all going to be trying to do. So right. to answer your question, I think cameras are good. Just don't be an idiot and require it to extreme sense of requirement. And, you know, just kind of go with it. What about you, AJ? I think cameras are necessary. Uh, I, you know, I'm taking this from a middle school perspective here. Okay. We've had students, we've heard students, I've seen, you know, my wife teaching, kids would log in, turn off their camera, and then not respond. So, you know, these kids are up to something, whether they're going back to sleep because it's an early morning and it's a half day. So, and I'm sure, Shay, you're kind of dealing with that too. But I think cameras are, are necessary. I think the only reason a camera should not be on is if a parent has requested that, you know, they don't want to see the inside of their house or or anything like that. You know, if the if the paper is signed that says no camera access, that's a different story. But I think the cameras are, are, are extremely necessary, you know, because teaching and learning. So, you know, kids are there, you know, kids are they might not be engaged, but at least they'll be compliant. You know, and I, and I think that's something we have to understand. We need to have the kids in a virtual setting, have their cameras on just so we know that they're there. We can see that they are paying attention or seeing the screen or you know, somewhere along those lines. But I think they're important just so we know that the kid is not sleeping, playing video games while the lesson's going on, you know, just as a respect to the teacher, you know, the teacher's putting a lot of work into doing this teacher's giving up their time. Um, don't, don't be a knucklehead. Do you think, um, I was just going to ask really quick, AJ and Chris, do you think maybe, um, you know, it, it requires a little bit of a mindset shift where we almost need to teach that etiquette to them? Because, you know, I think when we, we got rushed into this distance learning, it, everybody was trying to figure it out. And, and I think that's one thing that I've found is, you know, trying to, trying to explain to them, you know, yes, I do want to see your face. I, you know, I, you know, I don't care if you're wrapped up in a blanket or a hoodie or whatever, but I just want to see your face for a minute and, and, and have a conversation. And, and if you're afraid to talk on camera, you know, punch something into the chat. Right. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was just kind of curious what your thoughts were. No, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think that's part of, you know, what we do now for classroom expectations and rules and procedures, right? Just like we would do uh, in in an actual classroom. We say we want this much communication. We want this participation now that you're in a virtual setting. Okay. So in the classroom, we're going to do this, but when we're meeting virtually through a hybrid model, we make sure we stick to this, you know, even if it's for half a class period, like for what we're doing around here, we're looking at 30 to 40 minutes per class period for a half a day you know, in a middle school setting. So give me 20 minutes where I'm going to talk to you 15, 20 minutes. And then the other 20 minutes, other, you know, 25 minutes, whatever the case may be, you can go, 
you know, work asynchronously. What's the word? A, asynchronously. Yeah. One of those words that's in the running to be word of the year by Miriam Webster. Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. Um, Wait, can I get in there? On that point is, oh, okay. no, hold on one second. I just want to, wow, sorry. <laughs> I was going to piggyback one thing, you know, obviously face to face, number one, number two, camera, number three, figures the podcast, you know, we would say this audio, mute your camera, use your voice. So that, that's, that's my last point on that. Go ahead, Stacey. What do you think? All right. So I, I'm not so hung up on the camera. I think because personally I don't like to be on camera, right? Like this is an anomaly that like we've done this entire podcast, this entire summer on camera. I like to not look my best. And like, there would be some days when personally I would go for a run and not have enough time to shower before school started. And I looked like literally a hot mess. Like, so like for me, it was, there's, I have some empathy for those kids who don't want to be on camera. Those kids who literally woke up, still have their rooster hair. Now, mind you, half those kids would still come to school with their rooster hair too, where it's just sticking up all, all angles and, and being cute and fifth grade-ish. But I can honor and respect the idea that they would not always want to be on camera. Um, it's going to be really hard for me not to meet my kids in person. So I could see starting the year and kind of requesting that we be on camera as much as possible until I can match a face with a voice until that becomes much more familiar. I mean, we were at an advantage on March 13th, you know, when we started on the 16th and we were all virtual, I knew everyone's voices, right? Like we, and we had built that rapport. So I think early on, I'm going to ask them to keep their cameras on, but I don't know that I would necessarily keep that um as a as a like a hard and fast rule just because personally i know like i've attended two d two pd sessions so far this summer and i have a week full of pd coming up i've not been on camera once because one of those pd started at 8 30 in the morning and i said and i apologize like look i still have bedhead and i'm pouring coffee right now like so i'd have gotten in trouble like but again I've got my computer on and we're just having a conversation. I can be moving around my, my house the same way I'd be moving around my classroom, talking to my kids, drinking from my water bottle or drinking from a coffee cup. So I, I think it gets tricky. No, not, not at eight 30 in the morning, AJ. Well, Pump the learning. What? <laughs> no, but do you see, I, I don't know. Like for me, I always looked at like those bitmoji, like checklists of like, here's what we're going to do when we're in this zoom call or we're in Google Meet, And I was just like that. That to me is a little, um, little cringy when like, like I do have, I knew I had kids that were camera shy and who were also often voice shy. So for me, it was just knowing my kids. I I won't know them the same way. So that's going to be really tricky. So I can see starting the year camera ready um, or camera on, maybe not camera ready. I'm not going to be camera ready every day. Lights, uh, camera action i mean look how dark it is in my room now like it's just yeah i like dark mode <laughs> i do like dark mode <laughs> anyway um that that's why i'm asking because like i've I, like i cringed every time i saw those expectations for kids that i knew would feel very like who had trouble doing flipgrid and now the expectation is the camera's going to be on them all the time and everyone was going to see them whether they spoke or not because the kids figured out grid view and hangouts and or me and you know whatever shay any other thoughts on the start of the school year oh gosh um you know i just i just think you know um my approach has been and i and i think i i share this approach with a few other fellow teachers is just 
you know, building that connection as hard as it may be, um, you know, we're, well, my district is a little lucky in that at least I get to see the kids every other day. Um, but at the same time, um, whether it's, whether it's distance learning or hybrid or whatever it looks like, just, just building those connections with them. And kind of like Stacy was saying, you know, um, you know, if you get to know them a little bit, you can kind of draw them out, right. Once you do get onto the camera or audio or whatever it may be. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, just trying to simplify. So social emotional learning, and then just simplify, have one, one point of contact, uh, whether it's Google Classroom or Flipgrid or whatever it is where they know that they feel safe and they'll get there. Yeah, that's that's my take. <laughs> it's a fun take to have. I, we, we appreciate it. Well, thank you. No, I like the advice because I feel like districts are quickly um, buying all subscriptions to all digital tools. And I think that like we're just kind of like throwing our resources, meaning money, at other resources that are either going to go underutilized, utilized um, improperly or with expectations that are just going to like make the teacher and the students feel like failures. And that's, you know, as a tech coach, like that's never what you want when you're introducing a digital tool. You want it to have meaning and purpose and enhance the work, not distract from the lesson. All right. I'll give you a little golf clap, golf clap on that one. Thanks. I appreciate it. And if you, if you have not seen some of the work that John Carippo is doing, um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but um, such a nice guy. And he's actually gone back into the classroom. He is no longer the executive director of learning for Q, which is uh, computer using educators. Um, he, he co-wrote, actually two books now with uh, Marlena Hebern, um, Edu Protocols. Uh, and there's some free templates out there, um, eduprotocols.com. Uh, but John Carippo's work, uh, in fact, I've used a lot of his stuff because um, it's collaborative, it's fun, it's quick, it's easy. If you know your way around Google, it's super simple to implement. Um, so I would... I'll give a plug for John Carippo on some of his stuff because that's that's really how I've got some of the kids going this year. Nice. Awesome. We will we'll include that in the show notes for this episode out at podcastpd.com slash 82. 82. 82. Right. 82. Wow. I know. All right. Well, yeah, we, thank we you are. so much, guys. I'm, I'm going to have to jump off here pretty soon. But um, thank you, Stacy, for the invite and Chris and Thanks AJ. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. That was great talking. Really appreciate it. Make sure you come back. Shay, before you yes, hop off, back. how can people connect with you? Twitter, Instagram, mailing address. Um, how can people connect? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Um, Shay has really express. cool handwriting, so if he writes yeah. you a note, like I've kept all of them. Hey, and fun fact: our district, um, our district is called Rescue Rescue Union School District, and it is a. There are actually two stops along the old pony express oh. out here in the west um oh, that's cool yeah so uh, yeah you can you know i i don't know that the pony express still runs but um yeah it feels like well, it. hopefully we're gonna need, the we're gonna need soon, right? the pony express. <laughs> uh, better than a stamp um yeah the uh probably the best way to reach me um is uh on instagram well probably twitter i'd say twitter i i'm probably on twitter more than anything else um 
Tosa Notes, T-O-S-A-N-O-T-E-S. So Tosa Notes and feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to share. I'm, I'm no sage, but I'll be happy to share what I know. No, we appreciate all that you shared tonight. Truly. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was fun. I'd, I'd love to come back and chat some more with you guys. Absolutely. Make it happen. Absolutely. All right. You know where to find us. <laughs> yep. Have a good night, Shay. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good night. Thank you. Take care, Shay. Thanks for calling in. All right. Uh, That was awesome. I've never spoken to him before. Like, like we've we've like text and everything on Twitter. And like I said, he sent me mail. I have his handwriting, but like never really heard his voice. That was super cool. Well, this is, this will be a great time. One, because that was a lot of fun. And since he's a a first time caller, uh, I'm (laughs) going to award him our giveaway of the episode because we got new stickers and stuff. So Yay! let me just uh, make me big. <laughs> I bet you he uh, puts so it on a field note. That's what I'm hoping. So Stacy, get his uh, address and we're going to send Shay uh, a couple of our brand new stickers. I have it. I think I've sent him stuff too. Um, before we get to our next caller, we'll, we'd also like to say that uh, if you are interested and you find value in what we do here for podcast PD, consider becoming an executive producer of the podcast. Our executive producer initiative allows you to support the podcast on a monthly or a yearly basis. You do what's comfortable for you. But if you go to podcastpd.com slash executive producers, you can find out all the information. Everybody who becomes an executive producer gets some podcast PD stickers. And if you become a yearly supporter, we will send you stickers. We will send you a t-shirt and we will send you a podcast PD mug and we are very thankful and we want to spotlight Mike Brilla who is one of our executive producers and we thank Mike for his awesome stuff transition mm-hmm. um, but we, we <laughs> go with it here that's the beauty of live and speaking of live this guy was on the show before we started <laughs> doing this live all the time and before the world went crazy and our podcast cover art was yellow uh, but let's bring on former guest of the podcast from episode 72 where we talked about grades equity and expanding reach let's bring on the david frangio how's it going nothing much how you guys doing what's up how you doing man doing well a lot more hair than last time you saw me yeah a lot less hair than the last time you saw me (laughs) me too i got a haircut guys nice which one can't tell all of them all of them let's say if you turn the lights on we might see what's going on the lights are on this is stop i need i do need to get one of those lights that uh Bruce was talking about. Anyway, Dave, it's all you. Yes, I just wanted to piggyback on that camera conversation. Um, So like AJ was talking about different levels, there's different, I guess, expectations. So I'm at the high school level, I teach juniors. Um, So one of the things that I kind of did that helped all those students that were camera shy, and granted, we had seven months and we had a relationship. And so I kind of knew who those students were. I did small groups. So I took my time and I broke the class into thirds. So it wasn't the full class all the time. Um, And last year we also had um, in Canvas, that's our LMS. um, We had Big Blue Button where I was the only one who could see the students Hmm. um, unless I put them in a breakout room. So that was great this year to simplify like Shay was talking about. And that's one of the things that um, I think is really important as well um, to simplify. Everybody's using Google meet this year. So um, yeah. 
I'm wow. laughing because we all used Google Meet last year, like those of us who are in the Google ecosystem, and we are all getting Zoom accounts. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was a fan of Big Blue Button. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that I was the only one who could see the students. They could talk to each other. They could hear each other. But um, like I said, unless they were in a breakout room, they couldn't see each other, which kind of made them feel a little more comfortable um, and eliminated some of that distraction of them. Uh, not that I lectured, um, you know, via web conference, because I think that's kind of a waste of time. I did more tutorials on like a virtual whiteboard. Um you know, and it was more geared towards individual questions. So that small group instruction worked a whole lot better. Um, but this year we're using Google Meet. So they say they're adding features to it. Um, you know, we'll see how that works when we get our hands on it. Cause right now I can't use any of those features, but, um, you know, just, I think one of the things that leads teachers to having all these demands in the virtual learning is a lot of those teachers have the demands when they're face to face too. you know, they're more concerned with the compliance than they are with the learning and being in charge and not giving up that power to the students and trusting the students. So if you build that culture of learning to where, um, you know, I'm here to support you, what you need as a learner, I'm going to provide to you. Um, you know, once you build that culture, they're going to, they're going to respect it. Mm -hmm. You know, they like that freedom. They like to learn, but you know, and it's not even their choice of what they're learning. It's just, um, they understand that you're in it together. It's not you versus them. So, um, you know, that's going to be the hardest thing that, you know, we don't have those seven months to build that culture because for me, the last three months, you know, it went pretty well. Um, you know, my students were still learning. Same. Obviously, uh, a much slower pace than we had. Um, and we adjusted for that. But, um, you know, I really didn't have many complaints um, with, with the, the virtual learning. I thought it went really well. Um, we didn't do all of the additional tools. We didn't buy stuff just to use in virtual learning. I'm fortunate I work in a district that had a lot of that stuff prior to going virtual. So nothing I used in the virtual space was new to the students. And that was huge. You know, going back to that simplicity, um, if you're trying to teach them a new technology, well, then you're going to have to sacrifice content. So um, that's just my thoughts on, on the videos. So I really don't care if they turn them on or not. Um, so we're doing a hybrid. Um, so I'm going to see them. I'll see my students face to face three times every two weeks. So yeah, each class will meet three times every two weeks and then we'll meet virtually. Um, so we'll with a virtual meeting in the afternoon. So we're doing a B cohorts. So let's just say Monday is one, two, three, four, a in the afternoon will be periods five, six virtual. And then Tuesday will be one, two, three, four, B, seven, eight. And then the next day would be five, six, seven, eight, A, periods one, two in the afternoon. So the afternoon is all virtual, everybody. And then the morning is um, face-to-face in AB cohorts. So it's going to be interesting, like how 
The, my head hurts just thinking about uh, that. Yeah, Sorry it, to interrupt you. Like, oh, I, no, that's fine. Yeah. I was it, trying to do the math on how you only see your kids three times in two weeks. But now that you say that. Yeah. Wow. Um, and do you have, a, do you have a, the option to be all virtual? Yeah. So we right now we have 8% of our district. So it's eight? a small eight. Yeah. It's a small percentage. Um, yeah. It's all, it's all high school. It's all high school. All kids. high school. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're um, a regional high school district. So you're like where my kids go. So like what, how does that affect the, like those, those parents who have, you know, who straddle both districts, like, right. You have your elementary district and you have your middle high school district or high school. Are you only high school or are you middle high? No, we're only high school. We're nine through 12. Okay. So, um, I can't answer that question. I, I really have no clue. Um, yeah. So actually AJ's kids are in the district. So, um, I don't know what what are your kids' schedules? Uh, please don't even start. Um, but wait, Jamie's also in the district. Yeah, she's yeah. in the district. So yes, we would be in the sending district to that regional high school. Dave's on the other other end of it. Um, but the schedules are crazy because Jamie's got the uh, A B, you know, rotating A B schedule. However, that works out. I know for us, for the boys, like kindergarten is going to be five days a week. Second grade is going to be every other day, rotating A B. So gonna be fun it's yeah. all fun it's all fun but so if i had older kids not in the middle school it wouldn't make a difference but for the little guys it's very difficult and then aj do you have the option to send your kids all virtual do we have the option do we have the opportunity is the question fair i'm all virtual my kids will be virtual and my wife has to go right and and i don't know what my assignment is yet um, I assume that I'm virtual, but we are also told that if we're teaching virtually, we're also teaching as of right now in the classroom. So like I you will have to be, go to your school. I have to go to my school, but my kids are older. So like I'm yeah, in that, that, day. that I have that luxury of not having to worry about what they're going to do all day. They're hopefully going to do work. Chris, you don't have to go in. I, I haven't been told oh, okay. that I have to go in. So as until I'm told, I, we're just kind of. Amongst me and my friends were like, all right, we're going to do what we did in the spring. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what the superintendent's correspondence alluded to is that gotcha. we're going to be doing what worked successfully in the spring and everybody was home. So gotcha. that's uh, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. But if that changes, I'll be sure to complain. I mean, talk about it here. <laughs> yeah, We have the option. So we can teach from the classroom virtually or we can uh, at that lunch break go home and then teach the afternoon uh, from home. My we wife, that as well. yeah, my wife has to go in. So she's there from, you know, nine to three, even though they're fully virtual. Wow. Yep. If That's I could shift gears real yeah. quick, David, when you were on the podcast previously, again, episode 72, that was way back at the end of April of this year, 2020. Uh, and again, the, the heart of that episode was about standards based grading in your classroom. So I am curious what. And how does all of this impact what you do with standards-based grading and building that rapport? Uh, can, can you share any thoughts on that before sure. it even starts? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it makes my job a whole lot easier, um, you know, because I don't feel the pressure um, to force in content. Um, you know, we focus on skills and we teach skills through content and um, it's just it's more of an organic conversation where we're we're expecting our students to come into our classrooms as beginners in these skills. And then we're coaching them through a learning progression. So, um, 
you know, it, it's, it's more, the, the approach is more geared towards building relationships, you know? So everything that we do is based on feedback. So I'm having these small group conversations. I'm talking to them one-on-one about, you know, where their strengths lie, where their areas of opportunity are. So, you know, it's um, just the, the nature of my teaching builds that relationship. So, but what does that look like here on September 1st or 2nd or 4th? What, you know, will you have students that you've never, that are new to your building or are you going to do work with kids that you could have seen or known previously? Uh, I will not know um, any of the students that I had that, you know, so this year they'll all be new to me. Um, And, but that really isn't going to change my approach. Um, It's going to take me a little bit longer to actually get those protocols in place, get the procedures. So, um, you know, patience is going to be key. So I, I think, and that's in any aspect of teaching doesn't matter whether you're traditional, whether you're standards based, we're going to have to be really flexible this year. We're going to have to have patience with kids, patience with ourselves. Um, you know, cause Stacy, like you, like looking at that schedule, I was like, all right, you know, um, so now on, on the a day, I have to figure out what I'm doing with my B kids. Um, you know, so, and like, how am I going to connect with them? How am I going to give them something that's, you know, engaging? Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, so look, it's not going to be perfect, you know, and, um, we're going to do the best that we can, but my approach is way more forgiving for both myself and students. But it has been for a while, right? Like, yeah. 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 So we've been doing this. I'm going into my sixth year of standards-based grading. So um, we've kind of worked out a lot of those kinks, um, you know, and it's a more streamlined process now. So how we provide feedback, the types of assessments that we're doing, um, we, we've kind of kept in mind the challenges that are ahead of us for this year. So we, um, we modified the way we're doing a few things, um, but we just noticed at the end of the last year, that's probably best practice anyway. So, um, and that gets back to my previous point. Uh, I think a lot of the changes that need to be made to make virtual learning work should be happening in face-to-face learning as well. So, um, and I think it would take the pressure off of everybody and, and just make uh, a more authentic, a more organic conversation, um, you know, rather than, when somebody asks you, why do I need to know this? Um, if you're trying to make up some answer and force it on them and, you know, so, or cause I said, so, um, you know, I I've heard, I, I think it was on your podcast who, who was talking about that. It might've been Ken Shelton. You know, when you're saying that because I told you so you really don't care about their opinion, you know, and they see that, okay, they're saying they want to build a relationship with me, but when I challenge them, you want me to to question you. But you know, when I'm saying, "Why do I need to know this?" and you're saying, "Because I said so," you really don't value me or my opinion, um, and then they shut down. So here, it's just like you know, all right, yeah, you're not going to be a physicist. Great, I don't care, but you do know how, you need to know how to think. You're going to need to know how to problem solve. It doesn't matter what job you're in. You know, nobody wants somebody that they have to tell them what to do every step of the way. You know, they right. want somebody who's going to see a task and say, all right, this is how I'm going to approach it. 
So, um, you know, I, I think from that perspective, my expectations will change throughout the year, depending on how quickly I can get these protocols in place. Um, but my approach really won't. Right. So there are two things that I want to um, jump in on like, that you said, like, so you talked about compliance and like we talked about, like, like it goes back to, and AJ said it earlier, you like use that word specifically. Like I, I think part of the reason I'm okay with the non-camera issue is because I don't have those compliance compliance issues in my own classroom. Like, so I don't see that day to day where like kids walk in with their hoodies on or wearing hats because I teach fifth grade, right? They're not middle schoolers yet. They're not trying to be cool or be impressive. They're not coming in chewing gum. And if they are, I ask them to spit it out. Some of them tell me it's a gummy vitamin. Okay, fine. But if you're eating your gummy at 1230 in the afternoon, I question that. Um, but like, like those compliance issues, I don't necessarily have a problem with, but I want to piggyback too on your standards um, where you talked about um, like just you'll have an easier time because the expectations in your classroom are different. And our friend Eric Geis sent me a text. He wanted to be here tonight. He wasn't sure if he'd be able to make it. And I'm not sure if he's watching now. But like one of the things he he texted me was that um, I just want to make sure I have it. He said he wonders if we're if we're missing the boat to get away from our traditional grading system, which we've already talked about and to move towards a standards-based grading system, which you talked about, but also competency-based grading systems. And also if we shouldn't be thinking more creatively in our classroom to talk about um, opportunities to change the way we test, to do more project and performance-based learning um, and, and really like think about that. I, I'm not reading all of this word for word, but, you know, just kind of getting away from what we're normally doing. But, but what does that look like for, for someone who sure. you know, right now is being peppered with all the tools and is not even thinking like about the work, right? Because the work for them is learn the tool so I can introduce the tool so my kids can use the tool. But like, how do we like think about work differently? How do we think about assessment differently, especially when the way we're teaching right now is so incredibly different? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the one thing that I will say is, although I, I agree, I think people should be shifting to a model like this. Doing it now will be counterproductive. There's not enough time to do it well. There's not enough time to um, create the materials that you would to, to redo your assessments in a way that would support it. Um, so what our assessments look like? Our entire year is summative. I'm sorry, formative. Uh, our entire year is formative. And then it's just we have a summative project at the end of the year. And like I said, it's all skill-based. So how are they using the tools that we've done the entire year? So we don't really see cheating. So our homework doesn't count for a grade. Each test and quiz, all they get is feedback. So when you set up that model where I'm going to challenge you, we use low floor, high ceiling. Any student can engage with the question, but the um, more proficient students can really expand upon that and they, they can show you what they know. And in any conversation, the, the first response is, okay, great. Here's what you did well. Now, in order to make it better for the next time we assess this same skill, Try adding this. And so every conversation is positive and building. Uh, we're, 
you know, were constructing their their schema. So if you go back to um, when I was talking about cognitive load and uh, schema is just those are all of those um, the knowledge and understanding that we have. And so once you build those, the only difference between a novice and an expert is the expert has more schema. And once you have schema, it's easier to expand it. So what we're doing is saying, okay, great, here's where you're at. And we're not moving on from that until they're solidly, um, if you look at it like a ladder, until their foot's on that rung, we're not going to the next rung of the ladder. So we're coaching them until they're consistently at that level, whether it be be beginning, developing, proficient, advanced, or expert. So we only coach them one level up. It's okay, great. And then we give them something manageable. Here are the two or three things that you can do to get to that next developmental level. All right, so everything's a progression. So now if we have to cut our curriculum short because we don't have that contact time, so if in a given year with full contact time we get to an advanced level, maybe with the contact time that we have, now we can only get to the proficient level. So we can gauge that based on the activities that we do. Um, so our assessments, our quizzes, it's like a normal quiz. We call them checkpoints. We don't even call them quizzes anymore just because of the mentality of that word. And we don't collect them. So they take the quiz, and then I go over the entire quiz right after they take it and give them immediate feedback. So, And they're learning to self-assess because we have rubrics that say exactly what they should be doing at that level. And the other thing that we do um, to not overwhelm them is if we're only targeting the develop uh, the developing level, we block out everything proficient and higher. So they can't see what comes next. They have to focus on developing. So they can't say, I want to do the expert stuff, even though they don't have the developing stuff down. So um, it really helps them self-assess. And, you know, they know these are the things that I need. For the tests, um, those are full period, um, and we have test skills. So um, we've realized that we can assess more with less. So um, if we're assessing four skills, we have four questions, one for each. Um, you know, and in the beginning of the year, if they need to collaborate, I don't really care if they collaborate because you know they're still developing these skills, seeing answers, and. You know, and then we have that conversation. Okay, why did you need to collaborate? You know, I don't call it cheating; it's collaborating. You know, um, so especially in science, you're never going to be in a lab setting where you're going to have to memorize all the constants, where you're going to have to memorize the equations. So, if you need a little bit of help just to get you over the hump, so that you can show me the other things that you know, I have no problem with it. We just have a conversation about it, um, and so that kind of relieves a lot of pressure on the students. And then they're engaging with the test and the quiz more than they would have in the points-based system because they really want that feedback. So um, it seems counterintuitive. It counts for nothing, so they do less work, but the, the opposite's actually happening. So it only counts for feedback, but I have students that ask for extra time. You know, I have students that I actually have to say, all right, you know what, you, you've tried for an hour now Let's just talk about what you did and where where we can help you and what are your areas of opportunity and um, just the, the whole mindset, the whole framework. We're coming from a strengths perspective instead of that deficit model. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, and we've changed a lot of our language. Um, you know, we never say a kid is struggling, they're striving. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a, a totally different perspective, a totally different conversation. Now, things that we can do, and I, I know that um, people who are sitting here thinking that, okay, that sounds good, but I'm in a points-based system. Great. Well, what you can do is just flip what those points mean. So usually our hardest questions are worth the most points. And then we have to kind of fudge at the end. So, you know, your hardest questions should be worth the least amount of points and just be distinguishing between your top flight students. So um, your knowledge and understanding questions, those should get you to a passing grade. And then your application, your analysis, that should be the distinction between, you know, is this student proficient, advanced or expert if they can do those things on a test. But we actually flip it and those knowledge and understanding questions are worth so few points. And then, you know, when you get to those application questions, you don't know if the student can't do it because they don't know or if they can't do it because they don't have the skill. So if you're not separating those two things out, you can't provide them directed feedback that'll help them progress. So, you know, we've we've set up our assessments so we know exactly where they're having, um, you know, their challenge and where we can direct our feedback so that they can progress. So when we talk about individualized instruction, we're not creating a whole new curriculum for this one student. We're having a very different conversation with that student. You know, that's where the individualized instruction comes in. It's not in what they're doing. It's in the support of what they're doing. And for your IEP students, you know, this is great for them because now they're not being singled out. Well, I get different work. I get accommodations. You know, my conversation is just like anybody else's, but nobody hears the content of that conversation. So, you know, you're not identifying this student as somebody who needs help. Right. So and that mindset for those students who've, um, you know, traditionally been labeled, it's it's huge for them. I love that. And as I as I think about how I'm entering into an inclusion partnership for the fall, these are definitely things I'm going to be thinking about. AJ, you were going to say something. I cut you off. Sorry. No, I was just saying, I think this is a perfect, a perfect time for this, this mindset, right? This change in, in looking at how students can perform. You know, I think because, you know, we don't know what students are doing at home. We don't know the strengths that they may have and how they're possessing, you know, their skills. You know, I think this, this might be something that we can kind of focus on and help people go forward to figure out how to best help students, you know, stop worrying about assessments and just worry about getting students to a next level. Dave, you talked about the fact that, you know, it's not about the curriculum. You don't have to touch on every single thing. You can get kids moving in the right direction so they can become curious learners and they can kind of grow on their own and explore on their own. And I, and I think right now at this time, that is what we need to do for our students. So yeah, as you say that, AJ, I was thinking, you know, raise your hand if you've, ever, if you've ever run up a flight of stairs. Do you touch every step? Sometimes no, but you'll still get to the top of the staircase and you can skip some steps. Just don't skip too many or you're going to fall on your face. I think that it made sense in my mind as I was thinking of it. I like it. It's a good one. I don't have steps in my house, so. Chris is just talking about CrossFit right now. That's all. He just wanted to bring in. He's yeah, so he I think Chris is not CrossFit. CrossFit. Chris does CrossFit in case anybody didn't know. It's box show. If you didn't know. Yeah. I saw a really, so side note. 
I'll tell you the joke later about CrossFit, Chris, unless you want it now. Uh, Tell me the joke later. (laughs) Uh, So, David, uh, I I was looking back through the show notes, and you have a handy-dandy little guide to to grade reform, which I will uh, throw that up on the screen. People can access that at bit.ly slash guide to grade reform, and that's guide with a capital G. So go go and get that and uh, dive even deeper into David's thoughts. And if you haven't listened to episode 72 of Podcast PD, go back in your podcatcher or go to podcastpd.com slash 72 and get a whole episode. And uh, coming soon, I don't have the release date yet, but um, Corwin will be publishing a book of our work. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so it will be the philosophy behind this. It will be our entire model as well as five years of classroom data. And we're going to have um, student work examples. We'll have rubrics for other content areas. So it's not just science. Uh, so we're going to show how this applies in history, uh, English, art, uh, math. So, um, that's fantastic. So I'll have to have you back on. Sure. I'd be happy to, um, our, our final draft is due October 7th. So, um, hopefully something by the end of the year. Uh, but when I know a date, I'll let you know. That's great. Congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. Make sure you connect with David on Twitter, he is at David Frangiosa. He's a pro, so he put it right up on the screen. If you're watching, you can look at that and type it into the Twitters. Uh, otherwise, you can get it from our show notes because it will be there. So again, David, thank you for your insight and uh, a little bit more about grade reform. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Right. Take care. Bye. All right. As we get ready to wrap up this episode of Podcast PD, we're going to have up, our... I have a quick question. What's your question, Stacey? Right. So, you know, how like we're talking about all like expectations and stuff. And Jill mentioned something about how um... I have a comment right here. No. <laughs> that, yeah, that was a good. I think that was it's a high answer. five for um, I think it was a high book. five for the book. Yeah. But um, I think it was Jill or maybe it was Stephanie Scrocky talking. About, oh, there it is. My students Internet seemed to struggle with video lag time um, when all video feeds were on. So that got me thinking about um, the hot trend in creating a Bitmoji classroom. And one of the things I saw from Wanda Terrell today was how those types of slide decks um, really do eat up a lot of the RAM on a kid's low-performing Chromebook, which many of them have, um, and eats up a lot of bandwidth um, in the household. So, you know, as we move forward, just a warning to all educators who have beautiful Bitmoji classrooms, just be considerate of kids who are really going to have some computer lag, some major slowdowns, um, and think about whether or not that cute little slide is worth a lot of frustration. I don't know how you guys feel about your Bitmoji classrooms. I saw your face, Chris, so I think I can tell, but, um, I have not even created one. I think those who can't see my face because you're listening on the podcast side. Here's what my face said. Burn your Bitmoji classrooms to the ground. Oh my God. I have a burning Bitmoji classroom. Yo, if you have time. Okay. I, I can relate this to podcasting and content creation. You can make it look as pretty as you want. The best cover art, the best Bitmoji classroom, spend the time Developing, getting to know your kids, getting to know your kids, and planning lessons and instruction. 
If you're a Google school, just post the stuff in Google Classroom. It doesn't need to look pretty and be virtual. Because let's face it, most of us lie when we design our Bitmojis anyway, so you're not fooling anybody. That being said, burn your Bitmoji classrooms to the ground and spend your time connecting with your kids, designing meaningful, engaging instruction, whether you're hybrid or virtual, whatever the case may be, better spend your time in your, because your kids don't care if you have a Bitmoji classroom. Well, there goes mine now. Thanks so much. Were you going to have a Bitmoji really have office, one? Mr. Administrator? No, I'm no, I'm, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Just for those people I, out there who now feel attacked, don't feel attacked. I didn't attack them. I just said be careful about what is happening on the kids' end, right? I think. I think. Yeah. Just. Right, I'm, I'm going to be. That. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have no idea what you're talking about. I just know there's <laughs> emoji picture, and then there's like links. It's like a hi- hyper doc, isn't it? Isn't it all it is, or am I just totally it's, off? Yeah, place? but but Stacey makes a great point. Track. On the technical end of it, yeah. The, these multi-slide Google slide shows, they're going to eat the resources. So technically speaking, they're not a good idea. They're full of like high res pictures. And you know what it's like to load a Google slideshow that has yeah. a lot of slides, yes. let alone yeah. something like that has like kind of funny images. Kind of right. Yeah. Oh, that's killing me. Exactly. <laughs> you're killing me. Smalls, you're killing me. Anyway. All right. No, no, that, that that's a great point. And, and thank you for um, yeah. Well, I thank Jill for the reminder. Yes. Thank you, Jill. We love Jill. And Wanda Trail for her original thought. Yes, which I, I think I like. Uh, so Stacy is going to be giving her podcast recommendation because if, if you missed it, we're only giving out one recommendation per episode to save time and not encourage Stacy podcasting. A technical term. Just oh, it is. Yeah. Where you don't have 20,000 unlistened to podcasts on your device. 2,114. So Sure. What? That's yeah. more. That's more. That's more. You were at like 1,800 at one point. I know, but like, I didn't realize that like, uh, well, I'll explain in a minute. Anyway. She will. So before Stacy gives her recommendation, we do want to preview our next two episodes, episode 83 and episode 84. Coming up on September 6th, join us live as we talk ed, scripted, an educator's guide to media in the classroom with authors Paula Needlinger. Bruce Reicher, Bruce, Bruce, and Randall Tomes. We'll get it right. Uh, we'll let him tell us. <laughs> we'll let him tell us. And coming up on September 20th, we are going to be speaking with the author of Teaching in Magenta, James Sturdivant. That'll be fun. Woo-hoo. Coming up, episodes 83 and 84. You're not going to want to miss it. If you have questions or comments regarding either of those books or topics or for those people, go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us your thoughts. That's what powers this thing. It's like laughter and Monsters, Inc. We are powered by your feedback and opinion. Stacey, what are you listening to? What are you learning from? Please share. So I I went to the beach yesterday um, and by myself, it was like a solo trip. I felt like such an adult since my kids are older and they were on the boat with my husband. Anyway, I drove down to the Jersey Shore and I binged the entire five episodes of Nice White Parents. Which, for those of you who have not heard of it, and Chris, you're shaking your head like you know, and I'm sure you do, because it is a serial broadcast. So Serial created its own production company and is now working with the New York Times. And they created this five-part um, five-part podcast that is, it was just, it was amazing. Um, but 
Anyway, this is what the blurb says. If you want to understand what's wrong with our public schools, you have to look at what is arguably the most powerful force in shaping them, white parents. A five-part series from Serial Productions, a New York Times company hosted by Chana Joff Walt. It was just incredibly eye-opening. And basically what, what they do is... Who, who hosted it? Who, who is that? Is it Chana? I don't know. I'm reading Anna, it. and I, Chana Joffrey Walt. Thanks. Well, you can fix that and cut that out and make it sound pretty. Um, when nah, it's now nah, we're rolling. Oh, please do. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like awful. So Jill saying it was awesome. It like I seriously, I binged. I started to fall asleep on the beach and I turned it off and like because I didn't want to miss a single part of it. But basically, it follows it follows the 60 year history of one of the public schools in Brooklyn, um, and just talks about how it was the school was built as a fringe school, meaning it was on the border of. The student population it was supposed to be built for, which was basically um, black and Hispanic students, and they built it three blocks further from where they originally intended um, on the urging of white parents who had good intentions to integrate schools. And it talks about the integration process and it talks about the lack of integration in New York City public schools Um and it is really eye-opening. And as you know, we enter back into the school system and all of the reflection that's that so many of us have done over the summer with the Black Lives Matter movement. And when we talk to Ken Shelton about how to be anti-racist and anti-bias, like this is a really eye-opening podcast that will help you do some of that work. Um, and will lead you into other areas um, where you can check your own biases and just think about what role you play in 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 education um, from an educator, from a you know from the role of an educator, role of a parent, and so forth. It was just it was honestly it was one of the best podcasts I've listened to in a really long time, and only five episodes, which is five less that you have to listen to now. Actually, ten <laughs> because it was delivered twice because it. Because they dropped it in the serial feed, and then they dropped it in the nice yeah. white, nice white parents um, feed. When I was following both, that's some sneaky behind the scenes how the sausages made podcasty stuff. I'm, that's a. That's but a can I tell you that if they had not dropped it in the serial feed, I wouldn't have seen it for a while because it was it doesn't like serial is in my list of podcasts that I check every day, and nice white parents was not. Why would you check the serial? Because I never took it out. Day. It's like having a season like a like a season pass or a series recording on your DVR and you're like, Oh, that show's still on when it records again. <laughs> you know? Right. So, Ooh, it, well, it, thank it you for out. sharing that. I there, there'll be a link to that in the show notes out at podcastpd.com two. Uh, we'll tag those folks on our Instagram story when this episode publishes. So that will be fun. Anything else? That's it. Really. Right. AJ, what's going on? Reflect Ed. <laughs> New episode this week. Not Promise. Four? Promise. Number four this week. And then closely, number five, start of September. Thanks. I like it. Reflectedpodcast.com. Subscribed. Mm. On uh, the latest episode of the House of Ed Tech, I gave uh, eight tips for online teaching. So you can go to chrisnessy.com. Two, if you so want. Give us a little tease. What's one of them? Like your favorite or your least favorite or like the middle one? I made the point about cameras on versus cameras off. So you could skip over that because I made my point here on this episode. Something as new, well. Chris. Something new. Um, don't be critical if the cameras are on. Don't be an idiot. That, that's a big theme. Don't be an idiot and be critical of like what's in the space that the students are in. Because what? you, yeah, no. I read stuff. People might do that. So don't make kids feel uncomfortable and single them out by making stupid comments about what you see 
in their video if their camera's on. Um, oh my also, god, that's that's absolutely horrible. That happens. Well, there's a lot of horrible teachers out there, so let's let's not gloss that over. Um, the other point that I made that I really liked was, you know, utilizing the chat feature, whether you're on Zoom or Google Meet. It's a great opportunity if you've never done back channeling to try and integrate back channeling into your instruction and into these virtuals to either have a better way of having kids take notes or do exit tickets. There are just some things that you can do utilizing the chat for good in a Google Meet, like I'll do a StreamYard. That, that's episode 162. Uh, and I also informed the audience that uh, the House of EdTech is going to be going on hiatus after episode 163 because of I'm a father, a husband, educator, podcaster, podcast editor. Something had to give as we go into whatever this is going to look like. I'm putting the House of Ed Tech on a shelf until December, where I'll do the 2020 Smackdown. But the, the there'll be a bit of a gap bet- that pained me to say, because you guys both know that that's where this all started for me. So that's yep. how we met. I did, you're, you're my number one fangirl. I mean, you could have given up the kids, Chris. I mean, come on. <laughs> podcast was there first, wasn't it? Well, imagine yeah. if you gave up CrossFit. Chris does CrossFit? Wait, I've never heard of that before. Chris does CrossFit? CrossFit? Not a CrossFit. What? Yeah. So, but but um, we're still doing this. So if you need your fix of me, and there's a few of you out there <laughs> listening to this show because we're still be doing podcast. You can hear my musings on the broader. Stacy. Wave your wand. Wave my wand. First, I want to say um, thank you to Dave. Thank you to Shay. And thank you to Eric for sending in his comments. And on that note, AJ, say goodbye. Goodbye, AJ. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Podcast PD. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at podcastpd on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag podcastpd. To connect with Stacy, AJ, and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie, at Stacy Lindis, and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoyed Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.